Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Bitches, Witches, and Queers, a podcast dedicated to those who have left religion behind and are now seeking to rebuild their lives through self-exploration, play, and spirituality. I, your host, Christina Carlson, am an embodiment and intuition coach. I work with bitches, witches, and queers to discover their own worth and value and learn how to trust themselves to create the lives they want. I am an experimenter by nature, so this podcast, like my life, is an offering in flux. What you find here will be diverse and, hopefully, interesting. One thing you can know for sure is that we will get good and curious here. Welcome. Like, we're going to be given what we need at the time that we're, that we need it. Yeah. And that's such a weird, like, that's so counter, it's so counter capitalism and it's counter, like, the way we were raised. Because there was so much, like, effort involved in, like, like, my, my entire family, I think this all the time, like, identifies by being tired. Like, just by being <laughs> so busy that they're tired. Busy. Yeah. Yes. Like, yeah, being yeah. so busy that they're tired. And I'm like, I don't want to be busy and I don't want to be tired and I actually don't think I have to be like the longer I live the more I'm like my life just keeps handing me proof that if I just chill the fuck out it's all coming I think it's like it's (laughs) yeah it's it's so interesting because like the the busyness or like the need for busyness is what supports capitalism and the reason that we're tired is because we're trying to control nature yes like and you can't fucking do that like you just can't so so like when you're trying to control something rather than be with it like of course you're going to be fucking exhausted yes and like i know that this isn't like this is definitely not just an individual thing it's mostly a systemic like from the top down thing but like it's just interesting the more, like, conversations I'm hearing people have around this, the more I'm thinking, like, oh, like, <laughs> we're, it's like fighting. I think about this with aging, actually, because, like, getting older and, like, the way that, like, women are treated and, like, needing to, like, look a certain way, like, the fighting of maturity yes like I've gotten three gray hairs in the past like couple weeks that I've noticed which uh, someone pointed it out to me and they're like oh you have gray hair do you want me to pull it and I was like no 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 I mean I I like, no like that's like that's mine like yes. that's my I wisdom earned that yeah like, I fucking earned I like that. cried yes. to gain that like uh-huh. that's that's my that's mine um, yes. but it's just interesting because like I was thinking about it and I'm like kind of late to get gray hair. Like, yeah. I don't know why genetic, some, some reason it's not, um, I think maybe my mom was that way, but I don't know. Mm. Um, but I just like was thinking about how, how like to fight that would take so much more time. Oh so God. I'm just like, okay, so if now I'm like, oh, like. In the past, I would have thought, now I need to start dyeing my hair. Mm. Yes. But I, I currently pay almost no attention to my hair. Yes. It's like a very minimal afterthought. I get a uh-huh. razor cut by Kara. They do a fantastic job so yes. that I do nothing to it. Yes. And if I were to add something else to my like routine in life. Time out of your life. It would take time out of my life and doesn't mean... It wouldn't be, for me, it wouldn't be a part of self-expression. It would no. be a part of, like, trying Self- to control. Self-repression. Nature. Yeah. Yes. God, I 
I think this is a thing that we're exploring in so many ways, like, because it's such a different perspective than our mothers had access to. Because, like, my mama started graying when she was, like, 17. Mm -hmm. And she was almost completely gray by the time I was born when she was 35. Mm -hmm. And she lived in that time frame where it was, like, that's not okay. Bad. That's not okay. Yeah. And so she like this poor woman. She has the most gorgeous like snowy white hair oh, you've ever seen. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, like she's never been like a smoker or like been in environments where it would have like yellowed. Like you know how sometimes it'll take on like that yellow tone sometimes. Yeah. Um, she just had the most beautiful pure white hair. And when I was a kid, um, she was working in a factory at the time and she would dye her hair just like box, like L'Oreal dye her hair. <laughs> like once I, I, I don't really have a great sense of how often it was, but I know it was a lot, but like her hair just resisted it. Her hair resisted the color so hard that like she would dye it. And then every single time she washed it, it would lose pigment and change color. Mm. Like she just couldn't keep it. She could not keep it dark. She couldn't keep it, like, the color that she wanted, like, to the point where her coworkers would, like, take bets on, like, what shade her hair was going to be the next day. Oh, my God. Um, and it's so funny because looking cool. back on that in retrospect, I'm just, like, I'm so grateful that I feel none of that. Like, I actually feel the opposite. I've been, like, wanting in some ways, like, from an aesthetic expression perspective recently – um, I've been wanting to dye my hair like really fun, funky, bright, wild colors, and I can't get myself to because I don't want to cover up my grays. Like that's legitimately like I have that same instinct that you did that do that you do that it's like no I fought for this. <laughs> like, I have lived a million lives in thirty-seven years, and this is like in ways my proof. Um, mm. I don't want to take time out of my life unless it's like authentic. to authentic expression which for me at this point that would be like if I were to dye my hair it would not be in any way to keep my grace from being perceived sure um but like there's something to that feeling of like letting nature take its course and just being content with that that I don't think our mothers had access to because they were still so stuck in that like idea of what a woman had to be to be desirable and a woman had to be desirable in order to be safe yeah. I mean, that's still, that's still super relevant. Yep. Like that, that concept. And you're right. They had like no access to it. Like they no. didn't know anyone like that. They no. didn't have the, nope. like, for lack of a better word, representation of that kind of woman acceptance. in the world. Yes. Acceptance of mm -hmm. themselves. It wasn't an option no. for them. So it's, it's definitely different being like being a person who has like access to people yeah. who are in that space and you're like, Oh, this is possible for us. Yes. Like, I'm yeah. not alone in this. I'm not alone in this. And we're also, I think as a culture starting to unpack, like some of the, some of the um, nefarious forces behind why mm. like yeah. women are expected to just never age. Like I, um, I saw a TikTok and I, I like posted a response to it yesterday, but it was like, um, some guy, like, having a conversation with a friend of his, a, a female friend of his, um, presumably. Um, and he was so confused because she was explaining to him that she found older Steve Carell more attractive than um, Chris Evans, like Captain America. So, okay. like, Captain America, this, like, he's just, like, built as fuck and he's, like blonde and beautiful and all of the things. And this man is just sitting here trying, like you can see him trying to do the math in his head 
about why like older Steve Carell who's like got some age on him and he's like wrinkled and lined and like has like like salt and pepper hair and all of these things and this man is literally so fucking confused as she's trying to explain to him why like this older less conventionally attractive man Mm -hmm. is the man she would want in her bed and I have thought so much about that since then because I'm like I think we're in this big cultural time of starting to reconcile with how much capitalism and patriarchy have informed our ideas of like what's attractive and acceptable and like yeah it's so interesting to watch because I feel like we are finally hitting like a tipping point I feel like it's been more socially acceptable for a while now for men to age like men can age gracefully and still be found attractive but like that hasn't been offered to women historically Mm -hmm. I think we're starting to like reach a tipping point where women are starting to go no like I am hot as fuck in my older age and in my softer body and in my Mm -hmm. graying hair and all of the things like I don't have to be 22 and be in the gym 20 hours a week (laughs) to be worthy of like great love and hot sex like I can do whatever the fuck I want (laughs) like I'm gonna be well loved and I'm gonna be well fucked and none of it like none of the rest of it matters like I don't give a shit about any of the rest of it so this is interesting because like um coming out of purity culture I found this to be like a really fascinating exploration for myself where I was like Okay, so, like, I'm more connected to my body now. Like, I'm just going to see, like, how, like, my body responds to people. Yeah. Like, not do anything about it necessarily, but just, yeah. like, observe Pay this. Attention. And it was so funny because I would, like, laugh at myself. Like, there was some people, like, there was this older woman who was a doctor. And I was just, like, my body was, like, responding to her voice. Yeah. And, like, I... There's no part of me that would have been like, this is a person that blah, blah, blah. There was no logic to it. And I was just like giggling to myself. Like, that's so funny. Yes. Like, this is outside of capitalism. This is outside of everything I've been told. It was just like, well, that's actually true for me. And I would have like never known that had I not actually listened to my body's response to this person. And pay attention. Yeah. I, God, this is actually a a piece of the TikTok that I did yesterday in response to the Chris Evans, Steve Carell debate, um, was actually going back to, um, one of my favorite parts of my queer exploration. And I'll send you some resources on this if you want it has been like the unpacking of different types of attraction because, like, we have put attraction into this box where it's, like, just one giant monolith. Like, mm. you're aesthetically attracted to someone and you're sexually attracted to them and, you're like, everybody has to fit inside the same package. Uh. But there are actually all of these ki- different kinds of attractions in the human brain. Um, and one of them is aesthetic attraction. Like, I think it's what a lot of women get confused by, and especially in the time of, like, lesbian TikTok when so many women are going wait, am I straight? Because I think some of these masked women are very, very beautiful. (laughs) Um, But I, I like, always want to comfort them and be like, that doesn't necessarily mean you're bi. Like, you can look at another human and find them aesthetically beautiful Mm. and not want to fuck them. Like, that's not... Those two things aren't actually, like, the same. They're not the same. Yeah. And we've been so taught, and I think it's because aesthetic attraction has been fully hijacked by patriarchy and capitalism. Like, Mm -hmm. aesthetic attraction is fully determined by the cishet male gaze. It's, like, branded and marketed. It's branded and marketed. And so I think people get confused 
when they have like an attraction to someone that they're not necessarily like like they have not been trained to be aesthetically attracted to they have not been conditioned to be aesthetically attracted to i just and find that yet, feeling so delightful it's so good because it's energetic like it's so surprising it's so surprising <laughs> and like i wish i could tell people all the time like one of the biggest like eye openers of my my slutty season um was like realizing that aesthetic attraction is about what i see sexual attraction is about what I feel like in the room. So like the energetic, like something about the energetic of that woman's voice mm -hmm. resonated with the energetic in your body. Mm -hmm. That is like, that's a different yeah. thing. That's a completely different then, thing yeah. than like looking at this person and they're looking, aesthetically beautiful. Yes. Oh and yeah. I think like most people, it's one of the reasons I've talked to a lot of like, women and fat bodies who have struggled with this their whole lives mm -hmm. because they don't generally actually have a, have a problem like with men not being attracted to them. Yeah. They have a problem with men feeling ashamed that they feel attracted to them. Mm. That's like That's I, one of the like shittiest pieces of like, and I've, I've encountered some of that myself, not from the perspective of being inside a fat body, but being inside a body that is not by heteronormative patriarchal capitalist standards. Like I'm not your pretty, pretty princess girl. Mm -hmm. And so when men are attracted to me, they get really confused <laughs> and like sometimes a little bit like, like mm -hmm. not ashamed, but like, I'm, I'm so grateful that I'm very in my own power at this point. Cause it's mm -hmm. interesting to watch them wander through that. But like, like, I don't need that. <laughs> I do, yeah, I do, I do not need Go deal with there. this on your own. <laughs> Go deal with that on your own. Um, just like deal with the fact that you are sexually attracted to me, even if the world has told you that you as a very queer presenting mask leaning woman, you shouldn't be attracted to me, mm. but you are, BB, you but are. And like, that's the difference between aesthetic attraction and sexual attraction. And I wish we could unpack, unpack that so much more because we're actually like harming people yeah. in the process. Like I want to fucking fist fight on behalf of my fat friends who constantly deal with the issue of men wanting to be in bed with them, but not wanting to be seen with them. Just want to say, I fucking hate everything. I fucking hate everything. Oh. Aesthetic attraction is aesthetic attractiveness is a form of social currency. It is. Yeah. And I'm so glad that you named this because I've never heard it put quite that clearly. Mm. But like thinking about that, that makes so much sense to me because there's so many people like I can watch The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, which Josiah and I used to <laughs> just for the drama. Okay. I've never seen a single episode. I didn't until never I met watched. him. And honestly, like I, 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 will, <laughs> I will watch soaps with my partner because, uh, well, we talked about this last night because we were like, what do you want to be called? Like partner? Do you like that? And he yeah. was like, no, I think howdy partner when you say partner. So he <laughs> is my, um, what did we decide? A uh, partner in crime was one of them. That's very and cute. My main village man was the other one. Oh, I love. So anyway, my main village man um, was saying like, like we watch these shows together every once in a while. I like most of it. I can't stand because it it's fucking exhausting. Yeah. But like sometimes <laughs> it's just really funny. Of course. Yeah. And like I was telling him last night, I was like. There are very few people on there I feel like any kind of attraction to. And they're all really fucking hot. Yes. Yes. And I feel the same way when I go to, like, most 
places. When I go out, I see tons of hot people. Very rarely am rarely. I just like, ooh, I want to be Take near this to person. Yes. Yeah. No, Very no. rarely. Almost so never. many hot people, almost never. And that's that's the distinction there. Mm-hmm. It's like, you can be extremely hot and people don't want to be yes. with you. <laughs> and I think it's why it's like... And by and, hot, I mean stereotypical. Yes, like in a, in a very like shit. normative yeah. Western way. Like you can be very hot. And like, I think it also leads people to being very confused inside their sex lives too. Yeah. Because a lot of people assume that if they're aesthetically attracted to someone, then the sex is going to be great. Mm. And then so they get into it and they're like, this is not that awesome. Yeah. And they can't figure out why. And so they think they're broken. Yeah. Like, I think there are a lot of people who like, don't because they don't understand the differences between the types of attraction um are having like very subpar sex and that makes me very sad <laughs> i don't like that for them yeah. like it's it's been such a one honestly one of my favorite pieces of my exploration the past couple of years has been like realizing what type of energetics i'm attracted to and how that feels in my body like i can tell by being in the room with someone not by looking at them but, like, by being in the room with someone, whether I'm sexually attracted to them or not. But it has nothing to do with, like, looks at this point at all. Yeah. It's such a, like, it's an energetic thing. I don't think we're taught to look for that. Yeah. That's so interesting. Like, I I kind of wonder, like, about that, like, concept we were always talking about, like, in high school and stuff. That, like, you have a type or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like, I always dated drummers. That was, like, mm. a thing yeah. for a really yep. long time. <laughs> Which, which is funny because it's like, well, that is more of an energetic and like yes, a literal is. rhythmic energetic. Yes. But like, you kind of wonder if like we kind of, we get stuck in those things like people do identities and like yes. personality, like almost like even the Enneagram or, you know, I've heard there's a different way to say that now, but I don't know what it is. Enneagram, whatever. Anyhow. I have um, not heard those. <laughs> maybe I'm making that up and thinking of something else. <laughs> um... But anyway, my point is, like, you can over-identify with a, like, what is a fixation and not a personality. And I think, like, people do that with sexuality, too. It's like, I only date, you know, like, the trope. I only date cheerleaders or, like, you know, football. Like, that typical, like, I only, like, this kind of person is the aesthetic that goes with my aesthetic to make this picture that I'm told is, like, ideal. Because it's based on aesthetic attraction. And it does yes. satisfy something because yes. you are, like, just, like, buying a house with a white picket fence or, like, having this job yeah. salary. Like, those kind of goals do satisfy something they in do. you. But they don't satisfy, like, at a deeper level. Yes. Because they didn't come from you. No, they they satisfied what you were told you should want. Yeah, they satisfied, is, like, the image that you're creating. Yeah, and other people are satisfied and with you. And other people are satisfied with the yeah. image that you have projected. Yeah, it's, yes. It's more about safety than it is about deep satisfaction. It's about social currency. Like, yes. that's the thing I keep coming back to is, like, I think a lot of people don't choose the partner they're in love with. They choose mm. the partner they get the most social currency from. <laughs> yeah. Yay! Yeah. It's so gross. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> but God, like, how exhausting. It's exhausting. And it's, like, it's one of the reasons why, like, there are... I did not do that. So many people... <laughs> like, I, I, did I did not that. do that. I, I kind of didn't either. The partner doesn't really fit the no. vibe I was, quote-unquote, going for Joshua was most certainly not, like... <laughs> the like good goody goody christian boy that i was like supposed to marry i'm so <laughs> grateful for that every fucking day but yeah it's like it's interesting i would be curious to hear your thoughts on this too yeah. um like the notion of having a type 
um, if we're looking at it through the perspective not of aesthetics and like how the the image looks um, my type is queer men like the energy of um, like the it, and it tends to be it tends to be men who like fall more toward like fluidity like I don't tend to be sexually attracted to gay men mostly because they're not sexually attracted to me and I you're not feeling that it's kind of yeah energy. there's not like that like connection we yeah. can't meet um but like looking back I've never dated anyone or like been sexually attracted to someone or romantically attracted to someone who didn't have a little bit of queer energy who didn't have some like ebb and flow in their like masculine feminine energetics and polarities um that for whatever reason that is my type like mm. my type is I I want to call it and this probably isn't the right thing for it because it hasn't always been healthy it hasn't always presented in masculine or in like healthy ways um but like it's like my body is actually energetically, physically repelled by toxic masculinity. Mm -hmm. And so like men who have to some degree come to peace with their own fluidity, their own like internalized femininity, that is incredibly compelling to me. I'm incredibly compelling. Okay. To me. I'm curious about that too, because in my mind hearing you say that, I'm like, yeah, that sounds safe. It's so safe. It's so safe. Like, of course you could melt into yes. that. Well, because it's like, I, those men come to the table and I instinctively know because they don't hate the femininity inside themselves that they don't hate the femininity in me. Yeah. That's, that's why. Yeah. Like, it's literally like, yeah. men who have come to peace with their capacity for femininity, for their capacity for, with their capacity for receiving, with their capacity for submission, with their capacity for like, all of these various things that men aren't supposed to have access to emotional intelligence. Yeah. Um, those things are so attractive to me because that's what makes me feel safe. And what makes me feel safe is for me personally, what like allows me to unfold into my sexual self. Cause if I don't feel safe with you. Yeah. What am I doing? I'm going to get, what about nothing? <laughs> <laughs> Hello loves, it's me, Christina. I wanted to interrupt this episode to talk to you briefly about my one-on-one -on -one rebuilding coaching series. This 12-week series is designed to transform the way you show up in your life, um, to help you discover your next step and support you to move confidently into it. We work on inner critic, dialogue, confidence, and trusting yourself to make decisions. I like to look at life as a series of endings and beginnings. There's so many of those in our lives, and I think this space is where the greatest transformation takes place. And whether you've already gone through a change or feeling like there's a change around the corner or just really feel like something is missing, these spaces are great for asking, what do I want now and what is possible for me now? If you're really longing to live freely and trust yourself to move through life with confidence, this series is for you. My clients call this series transformative, empowering, and inspiring, and they often report after the series they feel confidence to say no, trust their worth, in touch with their bodies, and in tune with their instincts. This is a powerful container and can have huge long-term impacts on your life and well-being. You can learn more by visiting my website at www.christinamcarlson.com, also listed in the show notes, um, and that's where you can learn more about working with me. Thanks for your time. Now back to the show. <laughs> All right, Luke.
<laughs> it's not going to happen. <laughs> You're welcome, friends. <laughs> it's only 10.30 in the morning. Sorry, Mom. <laughs> I, she doesn't listen to this. She does, she does, she does not she listen to this. She does not listen to this. <laughs> the title would be way too deterring. This, that's true. That's true. But yeah, that's kind of my, like, I've, I've come to figure out that's my my type is men who are comfortable with their own like masculine feminine polarity and the interplay between the two yeah so hearing you say this i'm just like thinking about like i'm like okay that's so interesting i don't know that i'm like fully i mean i don't know that anyone is fully comfortable in their sexuality i think some people are but like i'm like i don't know if I am in like a lot of ways, I know I have a lot of growth to do in that probably mm. just from purity culture and Heart from same. like, same. it hasn't been that long since I've been out mm. of the like mindset. And, but like, I have always like, my first crush was a gay guy mm -hmm. and like, you know, we didn't quote unquote know it at the time. Yeah. I was like <sighs> 10, yep. he was like 11 or something. And he's like a Broadway star in New York now. And, <gasps> as adorable as ever and I've always like it's been really interesting because like I I feel very safe in that energy yeah. more safe than I do with women yeah. um and like maybe because of my attraction to women or yeah. because I was around a lot of straight women I don't know mm -hmm. but there's like this safety that I found with gay men that was just like oh they aren't like sexually attracted to me so it isn't dangerous it's not dangerous it's safe Yes. Yeah, and, like, it wasn't even overt. These were all people who were, like, yeah. in the closet. But it was still, I could feel yes. that sensation of safety with this person wasn't going to try and get something from me. One of my favorite experiences of my whole entire life was when I was at SBU. We lived in the apartment that I lived in with Renee. Yay! Um, and I got sick on New Year's Eve. I think this was, like, New Year's Eve going into 2008. And I got sick... And my dear, dear friend Lane, who is deeply gay, um, came over because he was, like, also a little bit sick. So it was like, okay, we can mix our germs. We're probably going to be fine. Um, but we, like, curled up on the couch and watched One Tree Hill and ate snacks all night. And then he, like, just, like, stayed over and snuggled in my bed with me. It was the first time I had ever shared a bed with a man, ever. Um, and I remember just, like, this very deep feeling of safety with him because mm. I was, like, I can receive intimacy from him without any pressure for sex. Yeah. That is also another thing I have found arrives more often with queer men. Like, yeah. their capacity to separate, like, sensual and intimate connection from, okay, we're going to fuck now. Yeah. Like, it makes so much sense that gay men feel safe to you because, again, especially growing up in the church, like... The church did not actually think that highly of men. Like, when I look back at all the narratives and what they taught oh me God, to believe no. about men and what men think about me and how they, like, view sex, yeah. the church taught me really effectively that men aren't safe. Yeah. Like, they're violent and they're predatory and given, like, two inches of room, they will take a mile from you. Mm -hmm. Of course, men, gay men feel safer. Yeah. The church taught us that men who are sexually attracted to us are going to... In some way, yeah, take and something wrong. What's interesting, and I think this is like a hierarchical issue, um, was that like in in those groups of people, I found that that wasn't true of the like 
the boys who were like my age, but it mm-hmm. was true of the male leaders there in is. the youth group because yep. they had like gone through that your shit, your shit, your shit, yeah. and then they got power. Yes. And then they were like, well, I've got power now and I can do what I want with it because the people did before to mm-hmm. me. Yeah. And they were told to hate women and like think less of women. So like, what are they going to do when they get power? Yeah. You know? And it was exactly. like, but like my peers, like the boys in our youth group, like stupid or goofy, were not like no. out to get me. No. You know? It was not them that I should have been worried about. <laughs> I just, I wish all the time, like this is a piece, I'll probably do some like long form writing on this at some point, but sometimes I just want to like document all the ways that my life experience has proved the church wrong about men. Like, because I have so many experiences that say that men don't just give, get, give love to get sex. Like the men in my life are not, they don't treat intimacy like a currency. Mm -hmm. That means that I owe them something in order to receive care. Right. Like, I just... That was an external narrative. That was an external narrative that has not in any way in my life experience, like, borne itself out. It has not yeah. followed itself through to the con- to the conclusion. Because that was the thing, like, they used to teach us to, like, be so guarded about our bodies. was like, if you hold hands with a boy, he's going to expect sex. No, the fuck he's not. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Yeah, like... Barb, like, so- no. <laughs> He's just a sociopath or a narcissist. Like, that like, might maybe. be your husband. But yeah, like, that's not my boyfriend. That's that's not, like, most of the men in my life, I have had so few experiences where I truly felt as though, like, intimacy was a currency since I left the church. Mm, yeah. That's the marker. Like, that's a conversation they're not ready for. But like the yeah. marker is as soon as I started interacting with men who had no affiliation with the church, yeah. they don't treat intimacy like an exit ramp to sex. Like yeah. multiple, like within the past month in my life of my life, there have been five men in my bed at night. And only one is the one I have, I'm like sexually active with. Mm. And the rest of them, it's like closeness, connection. It's so human. It's so human. It's it's so, and it has been so like healing for my relationship with men mm. to interact with them in ways that are deeply close and connected, but not sexual. Mm. Because I wasn't taught that I could expect that. Yeah. I think that a lot of men are taught that they're not allowed to yes. want that <gasps> or have that either. Yes. Oh, God, that's another conversation we're not ready for. Another conversation we're not ready for. I can't tell you, like, I tend to be, (laughs) again, I think because of my presentation, I tend to be someone who draws men who are interested in the possibility of seeing what it would feel like to give up their power. Hmm. That plays out in a lot of ways. Um, But, like... I cannot tell you <laughs> the number of like first dates. There have been a couple of like what was supposed to be hookups that have like landed like with me literally just being in bed, snuggling a grown ass man and like petting his hair. 
because I like make it very clear that that's a safe thing with me. Like I, you don't have to want sex. That's I don't. That's not the, my purpose in connecting with people. It's not like the yeah. end game for me. Um, I'm here for connection. Men want more like pure non-sexual intimacy than we think they do, and then they have been historically given access to. They've yeah, they've been told that it's not okay, yes. and yeah. that it's feminine, mm-hmm. and that it's like off limits, and yep. it's like not a need. Yes, quote unquote. Yeah, <laughs> yep. It's such a strange like my experience in dating has fucked with so many of the like narratives that I was given about men and women and how we look at sex and what we want from sex and like how much we want just like touch and care and intimacy and closeness. Um, because honestly, when, when the men in my life know that's an option on the table, it's not uncommon at all for like our relationship to become markedly less sexual because they're like, Oh, I don't, I don't have to want, Oh, no, we can just snuggle, like cuddle. Doesn't happen. I'm not going to make you feel like less of a man for that. (laughs) God, isn't isn't it weird? Like the, the expectation of like. And I, I, I know this is, like, a capitalistic thing, and because of that, it's born out of white supremacy, like, all of this shit. Like, this this idea of, like, the, the expectation of, like, how often couples have sex, or, mm-hmm. like, how often, like, a man is supposed to want sex versus when a woman is supposed to want sex, and, like, those expectations serve no one. They serve no one. Because they put pressure to, like, be robotic, consistent, and inhuman on, like, yes. everyone involved. You don't get to flow. You don't get, you don't, yeah, you don't get to flow. You don't get to have feelings. You don't get to change your mind. No. You don't get to, like, you feel a really not be box. into it. Like, yes. yeah, and that's, like, it's so devaluing and exhausting yes and i think the shit part is like it literally pitted us against each other from day one right like it pitted us against each other in the way of being like men are always gonna want sex and they're gonna come after you for it like all the time and then it they gave us the narrative of like women you want love so you're just gonna give the sex but like you're mostly just after it to get the love and like it pits us against one another in a way that the the longer I live and the more I interact with people, I'm like, we're all just case. human. Like, none of this is true. That was like, if we could just like go ahead and torch that script that we were given. And talk to each other. Then talk to one another. <laughs> that would be amazing. Um, <laughs> God, like it fucked with me for a long time because I've never had, I was always told that like men want sex more than women. I have never had a male partner whose sex drive was higher than mine. Ever. <laughs> Not once. And, like, I've also learned over the years, um, and I'm doing a lot of unpacking right now, about how much of my drive for sex is actually the drive for sex and how much of it is the drive for intimacy. And I was taught that I have to use sex as a vehicle to get intimacy. Sex is a form of social currency. Yeah. And it's a way to get, like, more subtle (laughs) needs met. Um, I'm doing some... Doing some subtle unpacking around. Oh my god! Can we just like take a tiny moment to yes. talk about Madison Morgan's podcast? What? Which one? Oh, Evian, Evian. No, no, no! I haven't listened to that one yet. Oh, oh, you have to listen to it. Okay, I will. It. So, so, what's the one right before that? Uh, Luis. Yes. The fawn one. Yes. Sexual fawning. 
Oh, my, oh God. No. my God. Y'all, if you yes. haven't listened to it, please go yeah. listen to this podcast. It will mm. blow your fucking mind. Yeah, Madison Morgan's um, Everything Belongs podcast, and it was the episode with Luis Mojica on fawning and people-pleasing. It was so good. I literally, like, talked about it in therapy yesterday because I was like, Amanda, what do we do? <laughs> I have a thing. This. Oh, my God. It was so good. Yeah. How many... <sighs> I think about that all the time, like... <clears throat> I can't tell you how many, like, older women, when I was growing up in the church, like, the advice that they gave me when I was getting ready to marry Joshua was never say no to sex. And I remember at the time just being like, first of all, I don't think you have to worry about that. You're like, he's saying no to me. I'm, I'm unlikely to do so uh, for reasons we're still getting into. But, like, I, that was just, like, part of the narrative that we were handed was, like, mm-hmm. fawn your way through sex. Like, if your husband wants sex and you want to keep your husband and you want to keep your husband because your husband is safety and security and social currency. It's how you survive. It's how you survive. We learned sex work from the church. Whoa. We learned sex as currency from the <laughs> fucking church. Can that be the title of this episode? Please. We learned make it sex the title work of everything. From the church. We learned sex work from the church. Oh like, my that's, god, you're right. We learned it. That's what they're, that's what is literally being said like when people say women give sex to get love, we are fucking paying. We are compensating like in our minds, we are compensating the men in our lives for love. By giving them sex. I had to unpack this with one of my partners <laughs> because we had previously I had a sexual this. relationship and don't anymore. And for, for over a year, like he just kept showing up and still does like, still like just kept showing up and was like making me dinner and making me coffee in the mornings and like snuggling me before I go to sleep and like all the forehead kisses and like the massages and all the things. And I like just kept waiting for him to stop and like, realized that I wasn't appropriately compensating him for what he was giving me. That was the first time I realized I was like, oh no, I was taught to look at sex as currency. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm feeling out of balance here because I'm not paying him for what he's giving me. And like in addressing that, like, like it just could not have been more clear. It could not have been more clear about like he's here because he loves me. Like that's that's all. Like and there's no expectation that I pay him for that. Yeah. With my body. The church taught us sex work. Oh my god. That's another conversation. This needs to be like a program that we ready to have. And I'll just down. And I'm down. I'm down for the count. Oh my god. Okay, I would lay down, but last time I didn't pick up the like microphone appropriately. That's why I Damn it. Sat up. But I'm gonna, that. I'm gonna turn it towards you so we get it. Okay, excellent. Um I'll try to be a little extra loud. Sorry, god. sorry, RIP to my microphone, which is between me and your microphone. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, yeah, yep, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I, after I listened to like the episode oh, on sexual fawning, I was like, I just said fuck for like an hour to myself, <laughs> and then the next twenty four hours, and then yeah. a couple more hours after that, and was just like, okay, so like, what do I do? What and I, I was like, okay, so like, 
Fawning is a trauma response. So if I fawn, like, you know, not going to judge myself for it, offer myself compassion. But then I was also just like, if I'm ever like aware, then I think it's really important to ask my body what they yeah. want in this moment yes. and listen yep. in order to avoid doing that intentionally. Yeah. Yeah. It's that like listening to our bodies and advocating our bodies for our bodies is such a, that's a very fucking new skill we're learning. Yeah. Like I'm curious about like in your experience, cause I'm assuming you have history with sexual fawning and that's what like made the, right, right, right. <laughs> the podcast. Yeah. Um, like, Oh, I had a question in my head and then it went away. God damn. Um, yeah, no, I'm just curious about, like, what it feels like. Do you have any, like, specific practices in mind to, like, set, like, checkpoints or anything like that to check in with your body when you're in a situation that feels like there might be a fawn response? Like, do you know what the fawn response feels like in your body, I think is what I'm trying to ask. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, like, for me, when I start to feel like there's a point where I can't say no, then that's a problem for me. (sighs) Oh. Because, like, I need to always have an exit. Yeah. And, like, not, not, like, not in a bad way. It's just a way of, like, actually being able to, like, put my body first in those situations. So, for me, it's, like, not deciding ahead of time that I'm going to have sex. Yeah. Not deciding ahead of time that this is something I'm going to do is important to me. Yeah. So, it has to be, like... In the moment, moment by moment, I'm able to say no. Yeah. This isn't what my body is responding to. Mm-hmm. So it's really just like about taking it slow and paying attention and like not not focusing on like the other person's experience. Yes. But rather my experience. Of, you know, and like maybe that will be forever. Like obviously, like I care about my partner yeah. and crime. But like it's it's really important for me during this stage of like especially having realized that that's something that's a part of my trauma history and my trauma response to in order to avoid causing further mm-hmm. harm yes to myself um it's important for me to always be able to say no and yeah. that that is for me an internal thing because i have an amazing yeah, partner, partner in crime who will always be like, okay, you cool. know, like, of course, yeah. he's super supportive. But, like, it's a matter of me remembering. Yeah, you have permission. And being with myself and having, that I have permission to yeah. do that. Yeah, because that wasn't a thing. Because it wasn't okay before. It wasn't okay. It wasn't okay. Um, yeah, and, like, what a gift that you're in a partnership where you can have those conversations and you know you will be met with compassion and, like, just understanding. Yeah. Um, because that's another piece is, like, especially in established partnerships um, where we're, like, trying to take emotional care of the other person in an ongoing way. Mm-hmm. I think it can be easier in those situations, strangely. Like, even though we're, like, technically should theoretically be safer to like advocate for ourselves. It's almost like it's harder when you know the other person's emotions are involved and their like desires are involved. Um, It can be so much harder to give ourselves permission to be the one who wants less. Yeah. Oh, there's like, because you care so much about their experience. Yes. And like, it's strange because like, 
I've been on both sides of that coin for so much of my life. Like I've been the partner who wants more in all things, like from sex to romance to like just all the, all the things I've been the partner who wants more and I've been the partner who wants less. And there's so much tenderness on both sides of that. Like it is so raw to be both people (laughs) in that scenario. Um, So I think it's like, one of the most important pieces just becomes being able to communicate about it. And like we can hold space for our partner's disappointment without internalizing that as being our responsibility to fix. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with you either way. We don't have to like, yeah, this is not personal. And I think as the partner who wants more, sometimes it can feel so personal because you're like, like, am I not attractive enough? Am I not like, is it me? All the things. Um, Yeah. That's very raw. Yeah. And also, what a fucking gift to give yourself to just be like, I don't have to betray my body in order to have love anymore. I just can't. I just can't do that anymore. I can't do that anymore. You know, it's it's kind of like the, like, Huffies, Huffies, Huffies. Mm -hmm. Dropping keys. Dropping keys for the beautiful rowdy prisoners. Yeah, there's favorite. been like a key dropped, and it was just like, okay, like I'm not staying here. Like, yeah, <laughs> I yes. have the fucking key now. Like, now I can listen to my body. I'm not going to go back to ignoring them. Like, you know a thing, and you can't unknow. I can't unknow it. Yeah, no. Madison always says that. Yep. It's like you can't go back. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> like you just can't. <laughs> I think there's um one of my absolute favorite questions to ask myself when I'm feeling stuck in any pretty much any category is what am I trying not to know? <laughs> like, Ugh, yeah. what am I trying not to know? And also like the follow up to that is what am I afraid the consequences will be if I just let myself know it? And I think when it relate as it relates to like, giving ourselves permission to at any point in time, say no during any form of like intimacy, sex, like connection with another person. Um, for me, the answer is always, I'm trying not to know that I don't want more. Like I want to stop. And I'm afraid that the consequences will be that I will like in some way hurt that person Mm -hmm. to a degree that it will like rupture relationship with them. It's always, it always comes back to, I'm afraid of the rupture of relationship. Yeah. 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 Loss of relationship. Yeah. Which isn't what you were wanting necessarily. (laughs) Like you're like, that's not what I want. I just don't want this right now. Yes. This exact moment. But we were taught like, especially men, I think in, our culture are taught that if a woman like doesn't want yes this all the time yeah that means they don't like want you or love you yes. or like because that's like because we're taught to submit in that mm-hmm. way yes submission yeah. is equaled with love which is not 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 that's fucking not true, true. <laughs> if we could just get that out of our cultural <laughs> like systems that would be great that'd be great that'd be great let's work on that let's work on that. jesus <laughs> Man, we just like unpacked Welcome a lot bitches, of bombs. Welcome to bitches, witches, and queers. Who say more? <laughs> At the end of forty-five minutes. Fuck. Here we are. Okay. Well, let's end the. Let's end on end this one. The introduction. <laughs> Goodbye, y'all. Bye. Thank you all for joining me today. If you are wanting one-on-one support to help you step into trusting yourself, seeing your own magic, and building the life that you want, you can contact me on my website. The website is below in the show notes. I hope you all have a bitchin' day.